Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. We are now in over 50 countries, and this is so exciting. And it goes to show me and each listener and each guest that everybody on this planet is looking for hope. And that's what Never Ever Give Up Hope is all about. Sharing stories of people who have come to the place in their life where it didn't seem like there was any anything to hang on to except that thread of hope and they have not only held on to that thread of hope but have excelled and been victorious in whatever area they needed to be including my guest today Kathy Laravere. She is an author. She has written her memoir called Laugh with Kathy so we anticipate she will make us laugh today. She is also an active blogger. Now, she spent the majority of her life as a compulsive volunteer helping nonprofit organizations. I find that very invigorating and motivating. And so I hope she shares some of that with us as well, of who she has uh, volunteered for. In 2007, she opened a website design and promotion business, but her first love has always been writing. And this is where she excels. Being diagnosed with cancer, she said, can be frightening. And we all know that. The C word can just knock us off our feet. But Kathy says it also can give you a license to get away with a lot of things you wouldn't do otherwise. This is what she shares in Laugh with Kathy, which takes us on a journey through breast cancer and finding humor in that diagnosis and treatment and, of course, survival. This is her story, and I'm so glad she's here to share it with us today. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Carol. Now, Kathy, in reading your website and parts of your book, you are the type of person that is able to find humor no matter what life throws at you. And you are to be patted on the back for that because a lot of people like to throw pity parties. And at those pity parties, there's usually only one person that shows up. (laughs) and it isn't somebody else (laughs) anyway um you had and you also said that people handle stress in various ways and I thought a lot about that and I thought that was really interesting because some people need privacy they don't want to go public with what's going on with them and others need a punching bag because they want the whole world to know how angry they are about what has happened to them but for you it was humor You were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2012, and you found a way to live and heal through humor. 
So tell us about that journey, please. Oh, certainly. I think we have always uh, wondered how we would react, you know, if we got the news that we had a potentially terminal disease, you know, in in particular cancer. And I I don't think anyone reacts the way they anticipate. But uh, for people who know me, you know that the hard things in life I'm going to poke fun at and turn into a funny story given enough time. And so for me, on just an absolutely beautiful day in October or September, I took a walk, I came in and I took a shower and I felt a lump in my breast and my world stopped and I thought, what was that, you know, and is it real? And I felt again and it was there and my heart sank and I thought, you know, When's my, when was my last mammogram? And, you know, th- this thing haunted me until my husband could get home that night. And he's a general surgeon, so he's been dealing with breast cancer for well over 20 years. And I had him check it. And, you know, he he didn't say what he had always said in the past. Oh, that's nothing. Um, you know, don't worry about it. He asked me when my last mammogram was, and, you know, my heart sank, and I, I thought, ugh. So, I scared, the next morning, I got up, and I scheduled a mammogram, and then later that morning, I got a call that my father had died suddenly. Oh, my goodness. And it just seemed like too much, mm-hmm. and so I had to reschedule my mammogram for three weeks later and fly to Texas and be with my family. And, you know, in that time period, you're wondering, okay, you know, am I going to be next? Am I going to be joining my father? And, you know, you worry and you go through all that. But the day came for my mammogram and I went and my husband took the day off so he could go with me. And, you know, it became obvious right away that I was in trouble and there were lots of pictures and uh, I was immediately sent across the hall for a sonogram and then told that my husband was in with the radiologist and uh, they would like me to go join them in the viewing room. And I walk into the viewing room and the screensaver on the x-ray viewing uh, machine Mm -hmm. was a skeleton holding a microphone. And I just doubled over laughing. It was hysterical. (laughs) And I, you know, I thought in my head, if I can laugh in this moment, I can Mm. laugh at anything. And that was pretty much what motivated me to, um, you know, as I continued through the testing, you know, procedures and all that, is I just started finding the humor in whatever I was going through and I decided to kind of write these thoughts down and when it became apparent that you know I definitely had cancer and I was going to have to go through treatment I decided to start a blog and post these comments on there so my friends and family could check on me and they wouldn't have to worry about disturbing me. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to continue. (laughs) (laughs) You're testing me. (laughs) Well, I'm learning to let someone else talk. (laughs) Okay. 
Um, now, tell us about how blowing up pumpkins and throwing eggs help you cope. That <laughs> that really got my piqued my interest. Well, I, I think most cancer patients that I've talked to have shared one thing in common: is there is a point in the diagnosis or treatment. When you get rip-roaring mad and you are just mad at everything, you're mad at the doctors for all the tests, you're mad that your schedule has been totally taken over by doctor's appointments, you're mad that you have cancer and that you're hurting your family members with the news. And I reached that point at about three in the morning and I was mad because I couldn't sleep and, you know, hadn't in some time, and I was to the point, I just wanted to throw something, and I was looking around, and my first thought was I wanted to throw my cell phone, but I was, I kind of need it, and (laughs) I I didn't know when the last time I backed up my contacts list, (laughs) and I really didn't want to enter all those names and numbers in again, and so I thought, you know, okay, that's not going to work. And then it occurred to me that I had a dozen eggs in the refrigerator. Oh, no. And so 3 a.m., I go get the eggs out and all the magic markers I can find. And I start drawing on the eggs all the things I'm mad at. Mm. I'm mad at my right breast. And I'm mad at the left one, too, just because. And I'm mad at syringes and doctors and x-rays. And I just laid it all out. And then I I had a few extra eggs, so I went and got some more just for backup. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided I was going to take them out and throw them against the trees in the forest and just, you know, let off some steam. But it was 20 degrees, and I didn't want to go out when it was cold. So (laughs) (laughs) I decided maybe my husband was mad, too. And uh, so I waited for him to go to work and come home, and I met him at the door with the carton of eggs and I said leave your shoes on and he said okay <laughs> and we marched out and I told him showed him the eggs and told him what we were going to do and he said well you go first and I said okay well which breast do you want and he goes uh no you pick <laughs> and so I grabbed one of the eggs and I pulled my arm back and I threw it as hard as I could and I missed the tree <laughs> and I just sat there and all of a sudden, I just started laughing, and my husband's laughing, and we, you know, we start just chunking eggs at trees, and I kept saying, <laughs> we need a bigger tree, and so we would move, and, you know, we're throwing all these eggs, and we're laughing, and we start to, we finish with the eggs, and we come in, and my husband said, you know, I passed a pumpkin patch on the oh, way no. home, and I said, yeah, and he said, I could get some tannerite, and we could blow up pumpkins if you want. And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> so that's what we did. We decided after each round of chemo, we would blow up a pumpkin and uh, he would mix tannerites, this exploding target stuff that you mix up and you attach to the target and then you shoot it and it goes up in this huge ball of flames and makes a big boom and I had to send notes out to all my neighbors explaining what we were doing. (laughs) So you never got arrested then? 
We never got arrested. No, <laughs> no. But my neighbors always talked about people being at their house and hearing the explosions. And they would just say, oh, that's Kathy. She finished another round of chemo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> now, you've mentioned something that I, I think is very important to to talk about. And that is your spouse being angry. Because when we are sick, when anyone is sick, very often the spouse is not included in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have interviewed other other guests who have said the same thing, that this is one reason that a lot of marriages through stress don't make it. Because they're forgotten. And all the energy, all the, um, you know, the everything is put on the person that's hurting. And the other person becomes the caregiver and and rarely gets any recognition for that. And so it was interesting that you said you probably figured that your husband was angry too, because I think they do go through a lot of anger. And was he able to release that anger then with you? And, And did you have this new bond as a result of doing this together, like going through this together rather than you on your own and him on his own? I never had any doubt that we would go through it together. That that's kind of how our partnership is. And I um I I know that in an instant if he could have had the cancer instead of me, mm. he would have done that. Mm. And just as I would if it were him. And, you know, I, I had no doubt. And but, you know, I thought about him through this you know, as well, one of my early posts on my blog was, you know, entitled, What Can I Do? And, you know, because that was something so many people asked me, what can I do to help? And one of the first things I put on there is give Gene a hug, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he's going through this too. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, this happened to be in his profession. So mm-hmm. he knew what the potential risks were and he, you know, it, you know, it, it was very difficult for him and, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, he, he was had looking a at it as a realist in other words, right? Yes. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and I know he was angry and, you know, um, his personality type, he doesn't share that, you know, with people mm-hmm. other than myself. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he felt, you know, a huge burden with me having cancer. And, you know, but then he also had the clinical side that he was processing all the information and right. answering my thousand and one questions. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So tell us a little more about the journey. Like there, ha- you you said you blogged through it, and so as a blogger and and doing a journal, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you shared a lot of different emotions. It wasn't anger; just wasn't one of them. And some of the you know some of the highs and lows, and how you helped other people by blogging about your experience. Well, early in my diagnosis, I started researching and looking for humor on breast cancer and it just wasn't available at that time and you know I had all of the the technical books and you know resources you know that you can find online but I wanted you know to find other people who could laugh with me at 
all the indignities and, you know, just unreal things you have to do to get through this disease. And I kind of figured, you know, the side effects are a given. You're going to have them or you aren't. And everybody, you know, knows what most of the side effects are. And so I didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about those. So I... I've kind of been one of those people that I've always been glad that people can't read your thoughts because <laughs> I kind of irreverent at times. And so, you know, I took all those little bubbles, those captions that you would see in a cartoon and I wrote about them. And, you know, from the, the number of people, you know, more people saw my bare chest in two months than had in my entire 50 some years of life. And, you know, at these appointments, you would have to take the cape off, put your hands on your hip, and the doctor would, you know, stare at your chest and ask you questions. And I just had to take myself someplace else because it was so awkward. (laughs) So I always just pretended I was Wonder Woman, you know, a superhero. (laughs) Good for you. And, you know... (laughs) thinking what power would I have if I could pick a power and so I wrote about those little bubbles those thoughts that go through your head excellent you know excellent they shouldn't (laughs) and that brought you some relief probably because it was humorous right oh it did and you know one of the great things about um you know the chemo that I had is uh, a side effect called chemo brain, where you forget a lot. So when I was editing my book, I was laughing hysterically at what this person wrote, which was myself, which made it even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, that's I, wonderful when you can go back and laugh at your own jokes. I mean, that's you know you're yeah. funny then, right? <laughs> you know, and it was like how in that that time frame when I felt so horrible was I able to write something this funny and you know I, I enjoyed my book <laughs> you know, to, to say you know in, in the editing process and um, well tell us some of the funny things besides the pumpkins and the oh I, I tell you after the initial shock of being bald well to begin with when I had uh, I knew my hair was going to fall out And my doctor told me within two days of when it would fall out. And unfortunately, that was going to land on Thanksgiving. And I have a lot of hair and very fortunate and I have thick hair. And it was like, this is going to be a mess. And so I decided to be proactive and get my head shaved. (laughs) And so I set up an appointment before hours with my stylist and had my girlfriends and my daughter meet me. And we went, and I had him shave my head and give me a mohawk. <laughs> I figured it was my one and only chance to be gutsy enough to have a mohawk, and I was going to have one, by golly. <laughs> and so we laughed, and then it was like, I think these people are enjoying this way too much. <laughs> so, and we took pictures, and I shamelessly posted them on the internet for the whole world to see. <laughs> and, um, I, you know... I just had fun with being bald, you know, after about a week and getting used to it, I would, uh, if, you know, if somebody would speed by me going too fast, I would pull my hat off and 
try to look sick and make him feel bad. Oh my goodness, <laughs> how funny. Or if they cut me off, you know, and I, I had one day a man, I was going the speed limit. I just want to say that right now, I wasn't going slower. <laughs> and he was trying to get around me. And as he's passing me, he's raising his hand up and I think he's going to, you know, wave. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I pulled my hat off and his face just fell. And I was laughing so hard after he passed me. Oh, such a mean person. <laughs> And you enjoyed every second of it. I did. I did. And it might have made an impact on him. Maybe he won't be quite quite so quick to um, do what he was about to do. <laughs> there you go. And I, you know, it's I always laughed because in restaurants I got served first. Like they weren't sure I might make it through the meal oh. or something. And <laughs> I would get these huge portions, and I had no appetite. And, you know, it was just like everybody would look at my plate and, you know, you know, they were back there giving me the best they had. (laughs) Mm. Now, how did you deal with the fear? Was it, did you deal with it in the same way? Because you must have had moments. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I had one of the hardest things for me to do was ask my husband what my, chance of survival was Mm. because back when he was in residency I used to type up his research papers and I remembered the statistics that 50% of breast cancer patients die and I didn't know that that statistic had changed and over the last 20 years and was much better and so in my head I thought I had a 50-50 shot and so it took probably a couple weeks before I was able to ask him because I didn't mm. want to cry mm-hmm. and, you know, make him feel bad. And then, so I, I finally asked him and he told me, he went through the numbers and told me that with my type of cancer, you know, I had an 80% chance of survival. And, you know, with going through treatment that, you know, all the different treatments they'd outlined, it could be even better than that. And I was like, well, then what are we worried about? <laughs> so, mm, what a relief. Yes. And, you know, I, I mean, I worried that chemo would kill me. I worried that, you know, I would die in the surgery and, you know, different things. But, you know, those, I think those are just natural, you know, fears and, for me, when I was told that my chemo would be 15 months long, that was just overwhelming. And I decided I just have to break this up into bite-sized pieces and, you know, survive till my next chemo. I only have to make it, you know, mm-hmm. a week or two weeks, you know, depending on what phase of chemo I was in. And then I get to blow up a pumpkin. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, you'd run out of pumpkins. Yeah. It's hard to get pumpkins in <laughs> Iowa in the winter, That's let me right. tell you. <laughs> and what about um, how you helped other people in your blog? That was the surprising thing because initially the blog was for family and friends to just give them updates on how I was doing. So, you know, fatigue was a, a real issue and nausea and people were afraid to call. So it was a way for me to 
you know, post online where they could find it when they needed. And then when more and more people started following the blog and then uh, other breast cancer patients and other kind of cancer patients started following the blog and saying, you know, oh, you made me laugh today and I haven't laughed in so long. Mm. It, It just, it made me feel great and that I talked about things nobody talks about. Okay. <laughs> Such <laughs> as? Well, nipple tattoos. Okay. Okay. How many did you get? <laughs> I, I got zero. I, you know, but I certainly researched it when my doctor brought it up and, you know, I found, realized that there was more to it. Um, you know, I was saving this quip for him for when he would bring it up. I was, you know, I was going to say, oh, I'm not doing tattoos. I'm going to do stickers. Oh. Thinking, you know, those like the teachers. Yes, yes, of yes. 20. And he goes, well, you could do that. And I thought, wait a minute. Are there really nipple stickers? And there are. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's funny. Um, and so, you know, he was telling me about this wonderful nipple tattoo artist and that I should look him up. And I could not wait to get home to Google nipple tattoo artist and nipple stickers. And I am telling you, there are, uh, you can get nipple bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Oh, you know? That's right. <laughs> Who knew? That's good. I just learned so much. <laughs> and you, of course, you shared this then too on your blog, right? I did. I did blink before I posted that one. I, It was like, do I dare, you know, or the crazy, you know, people going to come out after I do this mm. but it was you know it was taken very well and other people I'm sure googled and looked at the same pictures I did so <laughs> so now you you said that you took your blog posts and you turned mm-hmm. transformed them into a book did you revamp them did you just you know like make them all into one continuous story or how, what was the process there that was interesting because initially I was going to take the blog as it was and, you know, put it in order in book format. And when I got it all on paper and looked at it, it it just didn't flow. There, there was a lot of repetition because, you know, in a blog, you're assuming not everybody read from start to finish. Right, right. And so I repeated myself on, you know, who is who. Um, apparently, I used the phrase, my friend Tess, 92 times, <laughs> according to my editor. <laughs> so in looking at it, you know, I, I kept it chronological at first, and that still wasn't working. And then I decided to reorganize it by subject material. And so I have diagnosis as the first chapter, and then mm. um, surgery, then chemo, radiation, reconstruction, you know, and I broke it up that way. And then I hired a professional editor, which um, I, I'm very, very glad that I did because I needed, uh, I had friends reading it and trying to help me edit, mm-hmm. but the professional editors read it differently and had great insight and 
helped me with the repetition, you know, reducing that down. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that would, I blogged about that did not make it in the book. Um, like every week, I, I once my hair started to regrow, um, I did a picture every week. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> and... You know, nobody need that didn't need mm-hmm, to make the book because mm-hmm. nothing happened for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And you are cancer free? I am cancer free. And uh, I did everything the doctors, you know, asked of me. I, unfortunately, the type of cancer I had, you know, I drew some bad cards as far as I had to have very long chemo. I had to have radiation. I had side effects from that. So I had to do hyperbaric chamber treatments. And I'm claustrophobic. (laughs) And so going into a one-person hyperbaric chamber Mm. two and a half hours every day, you know, for 32 days, is um, that's a stretch for anybody's imagination so (laughs) but I did get to see the entire uh four seasons of Downton Abbey (laughs) so there's a plus there's a win-win my husband just bought the set and sent me in with it so (laughs) oh that's funny I like some of the things that you said on your website and I'll, I'll I highlighted a few of them um you said these are the positives for going through cancer. You got to relocate your bus line, which had been moving south for years. (laughs) So you did have the reconstructive surgery. I did. And you're happy with that? I am. I'm glad that I did that. Okay. Um, It's an option and everybody should do what they're comfortable with. Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's right. You also said you didn't have to shave your legs for months. Well, that's a win-win as well, right? It is. And a side effect of radiation is I no longer have hair under my arms and I'm really okay (laughs) it took a lot less time for you to get ready in the morning because you didn't have to do your hair yeah so did you wear hats or wigs I wore hats okay I bought a wig and I just didn't care for it and I wore it my son got married during my treatment and I wore it for his wedding for the wedding, mm. <laughs> that it came off. <laughs> but I figured if Robin Roberts could wear a baseball cap, so could I. That's right. That's right. <laughs> See, we do need each other, and we learn yeah. from one another, right? Absolutely. And you also said that you have a great, you had a great excuse for buying new lingerie because all the pretty bras come in smaller sizes. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and you also get to blame your forgetfulness on chemo brain, which you already mentioned. So in other words, what it comes down to, Kathy, just like everything else in life, is attitude. I think so. You know, you, you had the right attitude, and especially with laughter comes healing. And when we share that with somebody else, that not only helps them, but it helps ourselves. So you were not only healing yourself, but I'm sure you were giving people who were going through similar things that same ability to look in themselves, to um, not just be a realist. You didn't put your head in the sand. You knew, especially being married to a general surgeon, you knew what was, you know, what your chances were, et cetera. But 
it's an attitude of getting through what you're having to go through and that speaks volumes and i'm sure that your your readers must have thoroughly enjoyed that and really related to you and probably shared their own stories correct oh they did and i you know the thing i would say to someone who's newly diagnosed with cancer is something that one of my mentors said to me is okay you do whatever you need to do to get through this Mm. if you if you want to cry if you want to hide out from the world if you want to throw eggs at trees Mm -hmm. you know do that I chose I didn't have a choice in being diagnosed with cancer but I had a choice on how I let my children and my friends see me go through it and I chose to laugh and early on when I started my blog, one of my friends got in touch with my best friend and she said, I, I think Kathy needs counseling. She's <laughs> doing this blog and there's nothing funny about breast cancer. And I, my friend called me and said, oh, that's just because she hasn't ever had it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, not everyone sees the humor in it and I understand that and and that's okay. But for those of us who feel like you know sticking our chin out and you know getting through life and poking fun at it in the process you know that's who I wrote for I certainly can relate to that I've I've been through a lot in my own life I don't know if you've had a chance to read my my book as as well but anyway that's how I handled it and so when I saw what you were Uh, what your book was about and when I saw that you know I was going to interview you about this subject you are a lady after my own heart and if you are a lady after my heart believe me there are many others out there that can relate with this as well because I don't care how bad things are you can always find not just something funny but you can find something positive and that's I think goes hand in hand when you are finding the funny things to laugh at or to laugh about you're also finding the positives, like you mentioned, crazy things like the bra size or whatever. And again, you're not putting your head in your in the sand. And I want people to understand that. It's not denying reality. It's looking to the future and what you're going to, you know, achieve through this. Strength, tenacity, perseverance, faith, hope, all those positive things that, as you said, your children can see and others around you how you went through it. So my hat is off to you. It speaks volumes. Thank you. And, you know, I've read your story and, you know, I think, oh my gosh, how on earth did you get through that? I only had cancer. I, you know, (laughs) you really had, you know, a, a lot, but I, I suspect that like myself, you found that you're stronger than you give yes. yourself credit for. And the other thing I learned that I think is important is I learned to forgive people the first thing they mm. say when you surprise them with news like that. Because, you know, that's a very the, good point. You know, <laughs> some of the things people say can seem inconsiderate or unhelpful, but. You know that you you learn to get past that, and um, well, sometimes you know. it's their own response based on fear, though, too. Yes, you know, and that, like you said, you need it's an easy forgive. 
Yes. Instead of taking that and and dwelling on it, which if you choose to do that, I don't think you win in any in any arena, right? Right. Now, besides your book, Laugh with Kathy, do you have any other projects in the works? Um, I when I was diagnosed, I was in the process of converting a different blog into a book. Um, it was. It's a blog on learning how to live in the country. Um, I am not a country girl. <laughs> and the transition was not smooth. <laughs> and so when I we moved out here in the country, I, I started blogging about it. And my mm. father just thought it was hysterical. And he always encouraged me to convert that into a book. And so that's what I was in the process of of doing when I was diagnosed and when he died. And so that's on the back burner as my, you know, once I recover from the editing process of this book, <laughs> going to take a while. <laughs> um, I will probably publish that. Um, in addition, I, you know, collecting speaking engagements, uh, a lot of, um, cancer events and survivor groups and libraries and things like that and uh, I jumped the big hurdle I sat down did the paperwork and this weekend got my book uh, available on Kindle finally <laughs> well good for you that's a that's a hurdle you're right and you 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 overcame it see you I overcame that's it that's right <laughs> Now, speaking, tell me about what you share when you speak. Is it basically your story, or do you share tips, or, or what do you do? Uh, typically, I uh, share my story briefly, read a few um, excerpts from the book, and then open for discussion, mm. because I think it's important. I, I'm a very interactive speaker. I, I don't do well to stick behind the podium, <laughs> so I like to hear what people are thinking and what they want to know and uh, enjoy that interaction with the audience. And um, so I always enjoy when I can do speaking engagements where I can just open it up and, you know, talk to other people and hear their stories as well. It's an excellent format. And I think we can all learn from that because very often, even in an interview such as this, you know, people have the opportunity to to after the interview, go to the website and ask you, connect with you, um, tell you their stories, interact, engage. Yes. And I think that's what's just so fun about a blog is that um, you're, you're not just sending stuff out into that big black hole called the Internet. You know, you, you get information back and that always, you know, spurred me to write more and interact and uh meet people that I wouldn't have met otherwise so uh well I look forward to your book on country living because same scenario here growing up in Detroit Michigan and then my husband moves me to you know a place that has like a thousand people yeah what's up with that <laughs> Where, I, where's the Dillards and Red Lobster? <laughs> I have never forgiven him. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but you know, it, I don't know how, oh, at what point in your life you moved there. But when we did, the, the very fact that our children were very, very young, it was the best place to raise them. They learned how to play outdoors. 
And kids today, a lot of them don't have that opportunity. It's hard to imagine, but I think, you know, I'm in rural Iowa, so. Oh, there you you go. I I hear you loud and clear. (laughs) Well, Kathy, this has definitely been a pleasure, and I hope that many people connect and uh, not only share, like we mentioned, their own experiences with you, but you can have some smiles and laughs together with possibly someone who needs encouragement that's going through the same thing or knows somebody that is going through the same thing and how to how to cope because laughter is a coping skill and it's a learned one and you learn it and you teach it and that's my hat is off to you we applaud you for that well thank you carol i very much enjoyed the interview anything else you want to add other than everything, like I said, will be on the web page. All you know, along with this interview, will be an opportunity for people to connect with you on the social media sites. I would absolutely love to hear from you know those people who want to communicate. Okay, well, we will leave it at that. And again, thank you for the smiles today, Kathy. And we will stay connected. All right, thank you, Carol. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.